Book Eight, Chapter Four of the Female Quixote, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Female Quixote, Volume Two by Charlotte Lennox, Book Eight, Chapter Four. In which Mister Glanville makes an unsuccessful attempt upon Arabella. Arabella, when she had finished these words, which banished in part Mister Glanville's confusion, went to her own apartment, followed by Miss Glanville, to whom she had made a sign for that purpose, and throwing herself into a chair, burst into tears, which greatly surprising Miss Glanville, she pressed her to tell her the cause. Alas," replied Arabella. Have I not cause to think myself extremely unhappy? The deplorable death of Mr. Sullivan, the despair to which I see your brother reduced, with the fatal consequences which may attend it, fills me with a mortal uneasiness. Well," said Miss Glanville, "your ladyship may make yourself quite easy as to both these matters, for Mr. Sullivan is not dead, nor is my brother in despair that I know of." What do you say, Miss? Interrupted Arabella. Is not Mister Selden dead? Was the wound he gave himself not mortal then? I know of no wound that he gave himself. Not I," said Miss Glanville. What makes your ladyship suppose he gave himself a wound? Lord bless me! What strange thoughts come into your head? Truly, I am rejoiced to hear it," replied Arabella. And in order to prevent the effects of his despair, I'll instantly dispatch my commands to him to live. I dare answer for his obedience, Madame," said Miss Glanville, smiling. Arabella then gave orders for paper and pens to be brought her, and seeing Mister Glanville enter the room, very formally acquainted him with her intention, telling him that he ought to be satisfied with the banishment to which she had doomed his unhappy rival, and not require his death, since he had nothing to fear from his pretensions. I assure you, Madame. Said Mister Glanville, "I am perfectly easy upon that account, and in order to spare you the trouble of sending to Mister Selvin, I may venture to assure you that he is in no danger of dying." "'Tis impossible, sir," replied Arabella. "According to the nature of things, 'tis impossible, but he must already be very near death. You know the rigor of my sentence, you know." "I know, madam," said Mister Glanville. That Mister Selvin does not think himself under a necessity of obeying your sentence, and has the impudence to question your authority for banishing him from his native country. My authority, sir," said Arabella, strangely surprised, "is sounded upon the absolute power he has given me over him." He denies that, madam," said Glanville, "and says that he neither can give nor you exercise an absolute power over him." Since you are both accountable to the king, whose subjects you are, and both restrained by the laws under whose sanction you live, Arabella's apparent confusion at these words, giving Mister Glanville hopes that he had fallen upon a proper method to cure her of some of her strange notions, he was going to pursue his arguments when Arabella, looking a little sternly upon him, "The empire of love," said she, "like the empire of honor." Is governed by laws of its own, which have no dependence upon or relation to any other.
pardon me madam said glanville if i presume to differ from you our laws have fixed the boundaries of honour as well as those of love how is that possible replied arabella when they differ so widely that a man may be justified by the one and yet condemned by the other for instance pursued she you are not permitted by the laws of the land to take away the life of any person whatever yet the laws of honour oblige you to hunt your enemy through the world in order to sacrifice him to your vengeance since it is impossible then for the same actions to be at once just and unjust it must necessarily follow that the law which condemns it and that which justifies it is not the same but directly opposite and now added she after a little pause i hope i have entirely cleared up that point to you you have indeed madam replied mr glanville proved to a demonstration that what is called honour is something distinct from justice since they command things absolutely opposite to each other arabella without reflecting on this inference went on to prove the independent sovereignty of love which said she may be collected from all the words and actions of those heroes who were inspired by this passion we see it in them pursued she triumphing not only over all natural and avowed allegiance but superior even to friendship duty and honour itself this the actions of orontides artaxerxes spitridides and many other illustrious princes sufficiently testify love requires a more unlimited obedience from its slaves than any other monarch can expect from his subjects an obedience which is circumscribed by no laws whatever and dependent upon nothing but itself i should live madam says the renowned prince of scythia to the divine statira i shall live since it's your command i should do so and death can have no power over a life which you are pleased to take care of say only that you wish i should conquer said the great juba to the incomparable cleopatra and my enemies will be already vanquished victory will come over to the side of your favour and an army of a hundred thousand men will not be able to overcome the man who has your commands to conquer how mean and insignificant pursued she are the titles bestowed on other monarchs compared with those which dignity the sovereigns of hearts such as divine arbitress of my fate visible divinity earthly goddess and many others equally sublime mr glanville losing all patience at her obstinate folly interrupted her here with a question quite foreign to the subject she was discussing and soon after quitting her chamber retired to his own more than ever despairing of her recovery end of book eight chapter four